Yes, Lord God, we thank You for this light, the way that it speaks to us through Your Word and through Your very life in Jesus. And Lord, these are challenging words for us today also. And so, we pray that You would be with us to guide us, to guide us into Your truth and to the desire of Your heart and guide us into Your desire for abundance in this life. And we pray that in Your name, Jesus. Amen. Well, we just a few minutes ago prayed, and we prayed that great kingdom prayer that begins, Our Father. And it says, Thy kingdom come, Thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. And it's easy to say those words sometimes that we've memorized without stopping to think about what we're really asking for. What does it really mean to ask God to be the king of the earth? What does it really mean? What kind of king is this? What kind of rule does he want to have on the earth? And what will his kingdom look like? Well, those are all the questions that Scott has been guiding us through this fall in a series of sermons titled, On Earth as it is in Heaven, the Kingdom of God. And today we're continuing to ask those questions by looking at how God wants to rule his kingdom. Now, if I had to sum it up in one word, I'd say that the system God has in mind to rule his kingdom is justice. He wants to build his kingdom on justice. And the story that Dana just read to us gives us a good example of what God has in mind. And I have to admit, this story bothers me. I've never liked it. I've struggled with it. And it makes me uncomfortable. So I guess I've decided to share my discomfort with you. <laughs> Misery loves company. But this is one of those stories that makes you think of sermons with titles like Turn or Burn. <laughs> and I seriously, I I think that if I'm able to stay true to what the Holy Spirit intends for us through this story today, we're all going to feel a little bit uncomfortable. But I'm also convinced that we're all going to walk out of here with a fresh, invigorating understanding of who Jesus is and what it means when He says He came to bring abundant life. Well, the way to begin, though, is to look at the biblical meaning of this word justice. This is a very important Bible word. You find it through and through. And it's not what we typically think of when we say justice today. We typically think of laws and lawyers and courts and judges. We think of the whole legal system. But that's not what the Bible word is really getting at. So let's take a look at what the Bible has to say about this word. Let's begin in Psalm 140. I know that the Lord will maintain the cause of the afflicted and justice for the poor. And you'll notice through and through in the Bible, you'll find justice and poor connected. Justice is for the poor. And what about that word poor anyway? Blessed are the poor, yes. And blessed are the poor in spirit. And there are many kinds of poverty, spiritual poverty. And the word includes all of them. But don't forget that what the word poor really means is poor. 
And when the Bible uses that word, the meaning of that word is destitute, without resources, without options. It means poor. Let's look at Micah. The prophet says, What does the Lord require of you but to do justice and to love kindness and to walk humbly with your God? To do justice. You see, justice is something that you do. All right? What did John the Baptist have to say about it when he was preparing for Jesus to come and begin his ministry? And the crowds asked John the Baptist, and they said, What then should we do? In reply, he said to them, Whoever has two coats should share one with anyone who has none, and anyone with food should do likewise. So we see that justice is sharing. And that means that we're in a relationship with somebody who needs to have some sharing. And finally, this from the prophet Amos. But let justice roll on like a river, righteousness like a never-failing stream. We see that justice has momentum. It has movement. In fact, it's so powerful, you can't stop it any more than you could stop a mighty river. It will roll on because that's what God has in mind for it. So justice, it's not a legal system. It's something we do. And it rolls on like a river. And it's the foundation of God's kingdom on earth. God wants to build his kingdom on justice on earth as it is in heaven. St. Paul's Cathedral in London has got to be one of the most beautiful cathedrals in the world. If you've seen it, you'll probably agree with me. It was built by Sir Christopher Wren 300 years ago. And it's the first cathedral ever to have been built and completed during the lifetime of its architect. It was completed in a span of 25 years on his 76th birthday. Sir Christopher Wren built this cathedral. But you know, he never actually laid a single stone of it. That was all done by the workmen. Their hands are the ones that placed the stones and built them. The kingdom of God is like that. God's kingdom is based on justice. That's his design for us. But we are the workers right here in this room. We're the ones that get to build it. And we build it every time we do one of those acts of justice that brings restoration or reconciliation into somebody's life. And then we get to rejoice over that. That's how the kingdom of God gets built. Now I want to share four things with you about justice building this kingdom. The first point of this. Justice is a verb. It's something you do. It's not a set of laws or a civil code or a legal system. It's something you do. And Jesus is the model of it. He came and lived it out. He went through life not just talking about it, not just preaching about it, but doing it. With everyone he came into contact with. He healed. He cured. He ministered. And he hung out with the scum of the earth. Tax collectors and Sinners of all kinds and the poor. And he had his eyes open as he went through life to serve the people that God put in his path. And that's why I say justice is a verb. It's something we have to do. It's not something that you debate in court. It's something you do. Put it this way. Justice 
is what the haves have to do for the have-nots. Justice is what the haves have to do for the have-nots. The second point is this. Justice is not blinded seeing. It's to see. Now, I know in America we like to say justice is blind. And when we picture justice, we make a statue of a goddess with a blindfold over her eyes. And the blindfold is there for a good reason. Because we believe that all people are created equal. And so justice has to be blind in the sense that the judge isn't allowed to make the decision based on who's standing there. That's not what matters. What matters is the law. And so justice is blind. It treats everyone fairly. And that principle is fine on its own right. But if you're talking about building the kingdom of God, blindness is a disaster. Not just because you can't see what you're building, it's a disaster because you can't see the injustice that needs to be dealt with. The problem with being blind is that if the church were blind, we wouldn't see that there's a genocide going on right today in Sudan. We wouldn't see Brian Maher serving in Cambodia. We wouldn't see that yesterday and today and the day after that, 15,000 children a day are going to be left orphaned by AIDS. And we wouldn't see that last night while we slept, 15,000 children died of malnutrition. Nor would we see that in our own town, there are people who are homeless and can't afford medical insurance. The church can't do that. We can't be blind. But in order to do justice, we first have to see it. Gary Haugen was right here last year preaching in this room, and he told us about how he saw it and what happened to him. He was serving the UN Commission in Rwanda the year after the genocide. And he saw what had happened in that country, and he came home changed, and he quit what he was doing, and he put his legal skills to work and created a new agency called the International Justice Mission, IJM. It's real easy to find out more about it, IJM.org on the web. Or talk to me or Mark Phelps. There's a group of people here who have formed to support what's happening. The point is this. IJM serves to help the church of the world open its eyes to what's happening around the world. And then to do something about it. They are shutting down sex trafficking rings. They are releasing people from indentured servitude, which is slavery. Just last week, they freed a hundred people. Families with children. They freed them from a rock quarry in Southeast Asia where they had been working as bonded servants in slavery. They would have ended up, they would have spent their whole lives there if sub, somebody hadn't taken the laws of that land and forced them into the light to be dealt with. Now, one problem we have today is that sometimes it seems like we see too much. Because with 24 by 7 news coverage from around the world, anytime, anywhere, we can end up seeing so many problems all the time, every day, that we end up with something called compassion fatigue. This has become the latest syndrome. And the solution is not to close our eyes. It may be to turn off the TV, but it's not to close our eyes. 
The answer to that is what the founder of World Vision said. He said, I can't do everything, but I can do something. And that's what the rich man in the story didn't do. He didn't pay attention to the poor beggar who was right there at his very own doorstep. And that brings me to the third point about justice. It's a relationship. It's personal. Justice means getting personally involved with the poor. Now let me tell you, because I know this from personal experience, and anyone in this room who's had the privilege of working among the poor knows this is true. This is the paycheck for kingdom builders. That relationship, when you are in a relationship and you know someone who has personally experienced the restoring power of the good news of Jesus when they've been cared for out of His love and the rejoicing that that brings, that's the paycheck. There is nothing like it. That is pure joy of seeing Christ in the face of the poor. Last week, I was at home on Sunday afternoon and the doorbell rang. And my little boy Jacob went to the door. He came back a moment later and he he said that there was a girl at the door that wanted to see his parents. And I thought, oh great, I know what this is. It's somebody asking for money. So already on my way to the door, I'm already thinking of, okay, how am I going to get out of this one? So I get to the door and sure enough, there's a 10-year-old girl there and she's asking for money for her school walkathon. I think, I've got it. I'll just ask her what school she goes to. And if she says, my son's school, I'll tell her, well, I'm already giving money to your school. My son is having his walkathon this week, too. If she says she goes to a different school, I'll just tell her, well, I'm already giving to this other school's walkathon. So I asked her, why are you laughing? <laughs> I asked her, what, what school do you go to? She said, Stevenson Elementary. I said, really, our church just did some work there over the summer. She said, yeah, I know. Wow, that was your church? That was awesome. She said, I just love the wall in the cafeteria, the way it's painted. I see it every day. I sat down on my doorstep and wrote a check. (laughs) A bigger check than I would have thought. And it felt good. It felt so good. In fact, I want to tell you, if you wonder sometimes how much to give, give until it feels good. (laughs) But you see, she gave me a gift. The way her face lit up with joy when we talked about that, she gave me the gift of a personal relationship with someone who was a student at that school. And I didn't get that the day I was working there. The day I was working there, I was dealing with you all and... Paint buckets and my supervisor who kept trying to get me to do something. But she gave me that gift of that personal relationship. And that is the payoff when we do justice. You know, we had a team of people here last, that left from here last week. They went down to Houston to provide relief on the Gulf Coast. They didn't have any idea what they were getting into. They just decided to get up and go. They got down there. They ended up working in a homeless shelter and God made it clear to them what they were there for and 
the people there started calling them that Magnificent Seven. They went down there without any plan, without any script, and they came back, the Magnificent Seven. And I heard from them how the joy was in those relationships. And those relationships are going on. In fact, there's another team forming up right now, and if you're interested, just check it out. Just walk over there across the lobby right after the service and talk to the people at that Get Connected booth, and they'll give you more information about that. By the way, that's also the place we all should go to find people who can expose us to all the ways that we can serve through these acts of justice. That's why that booth is there every Sunday. And there are people there who can pray with you if you're not sure what that might be, who can help you discern that, who can tell you what the different options are, where there's already people going with you to make you have an easy step into that. Well, this brings me to my fourth and final point about justice, which is that we have to decide because the kingdom is now. It's not waiting. The rich man is burning in Hades Lazarus is up in heaven rejoicing and God is not waiting around for us to do something. When we pray, thy kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven, that means now, on earth now, we're being asked to build the kingdom. One action at a time, one person, one relationship, one building block at a time. Building blocks of justice. God is building His kingdom through us. So here's a summary on justice. It's a verb. It's something we do. We need to see what's going on around us. We need to go through life like Jesus did. He didn't finish up His ministry on earth, wipe His hands and say, well, got that mess all cleaned up, that job's done. No. He left it for us. And He didn't solve every problem, and you and I don't have to solve every problem, but we do have to go around with our eyes open. We do have to pay attention to who God put in our path. And that might be somebody in Africa. Or it might not. It might be somebody at your doorstep. It comes through the joy of that relationship. And the reason that Jesus is the model is because God's law is the first and only law that has ever proven itself true. How? Because it lived itself out. It came into life. That law and justice of God came to life. That perfect love and that perfect justice. And they met on the cross. And he's asked us to follow him. It's not optional. Justice is not optional. It's a commandment. He said, if you love me, you will obey me. And we're inspires us to do that is when we have the love of Him in our hearts. And then finally, justice is now. The decisions we make today have eternal significance. You know, I used to identify with the rich man in this parable. And I don't anymore. I identify with his brothers because they still have a chance. And so do you. We all have a chance to live out the loving justice of God now as He asks us to build His kingdom. Now you may be rich. By the way, you are rich. By the world standards, everybody in this room is rich. 
You may be rich. But you don't have to be the rich man in this story. You can write your own ending to this story. You can write an ending to this story that lives out God's love and justice by serving someone who needs you to do that. And you can experience the abundant life, the abundant joy of being a kingdom builder. Joy and justice is what the kingdom is all about. And Father, we praise You that You set it up that way and that You put it in our hands and that You gave us the joy and that You gave us a taste of what Your kingdom is going to be like when it's finished being built and that You let us taste that joy right now today. Lord, help each of us to do just that. Help each of us to bring justice and to know Your love. In Christ's name, Amen.